What's up, friends? Welcome back to Friday. Welcome back to the best part of the week. I mean, Friday, but pop culture Friday. I mean, it doesn't get much better than this. You made it to the end of the week. The weekend is coming. I don't know what you're doing, but you get two days to do whatever you want. And that's amazing. I'm so glad that you're here. This is Pop Culture Friday. I'm your host, Carrie, and this is where I come every Friday. And in under 30 minutes, I give you the top five pop culture stories of the week that you need to know about. I give you the news, the straight facts, and then of course I gotta throw in my opinion because what would pop culture be without a little opinion? So this is the place to be, my pop culture lovers. Uh, We just come here, we unite, and we bask in all of the pop culture things going on in the world. And some of them are so dumb, but it's just fun to talk about them. This was a busy week in the pop culture world. And I think, I mean, the biggest thing, of course, is story number one is we're going to talk about the Emmys and we're going to do an Emmys recap. And there was a lot of things that happened here and I have some thoughts. So let me just let me get into the facts. Okay, we got to start with the facts. So we're going to dive in to our Emmys recap. Here it is. A particularly strange year in television and beyond got a fittingly strange Emmy show to match with nominees awaiting the results from their home while Jimmy Kimmel threw jokes into an empty Staples Center. Let's uh, recap here some of the main points. The show started off with a bang and unprecedented sweep by Schitt's Creek. The TV show, which ended its sixth season run this year, made history by becoming the first comedy series to sweep all the comedy categories. That means they took home Emmys for Outstanding Comedy, Best Actor, Best Actress, Outstanding Writing for a Comedy Series, Outstanding Directing for a Comedy Series, Best Supporting Actor, and Best Supporting Actress. You know what was crazy about all this, too, is that they started the show and all these awards were in in a row. So the first, like, beginning of the show was just like shit screech shit screech shit screech shit screech shit screech shit screech say that 12 times fast um so yeah it was just a lot of shit screech at the beginning so that was uh you know made history that was a big thing um other points to bring up emmys made history again when toward the end of the show 24 year old zendaya became the youngest person to win outstanding actress in a drama series for her role in euphoria incredible she's on fire Movie and TV mogul Tyler Perry was the recipient of this year's Governor's Award. He accepted his Emmy with a story turned metaphor about a homemade quilt his grandmother once gave him. It was very interesting and touching. And Tyler Perry, again, is just, I mean, he's incredible and has done so much. I think I heard last week that he crossed over into the billionaire mark. So good for him and well-deserved. Jennifer Aniston, up for lead actress in a drama for The Morning Show, had some old friends over for a big night. Her friends co-stars Courtney Cox and Lisa Kudrow. Cox and Aniston joked that the two live together and have been roommates since 1994. And uh, this was especially here. This was cool. I loved it that they did. I mean, you guys know I'm a huge Friends junkie. I stand Jennifer Aniston so much. She's probably my biggest Hollywood crush. Not just my biggest Hollywood girl crush, just my biggest Hollywood crush in general. Like, I just I love her. And so I stand her so hard. And so I love any reference to friends, any kind of friends reunition. Reunition. I think that's a new word. <laughs> there we go. Any way that friends and any of the cast reunites. I love it. Thing that made it weird is that after Courtney came in, then Lisa came in and they were like, yeah, we live here. Like we're roommates. They were doing like the friends bit, like the Monica, you know, Phoebe, Rachel type of thing. And then after that. Jason Bateman just popped up and I was like, well, and I love Jason Bateman. I mean, he's one of my faves, extremely talented. Love me some Ozark, but it just ruined the whole bit. You know, if Matthew Perry or Matt LeBlanc or, you know, Dave Schwimmer would have, I mean, I would have just lost my shit. But the fact that Jason Bateman just popped in kind of ruined it. So, I mean, I'm, I'm never opposed to 
a Jason Bateman pop up. But in this case, I was kind of I was like, dude, you ruined the bit. Like I in my head, it was just like Monica and Rachel and Phoebe. But as soon as he popped in, I was like, what's Marty doing here? You know, like otherwise it was great. It just that added some awkwardness to it. Um, What other kind of high points? I thought the beginning montage was really great. I think Jimmy Kimmel did as good of a job as he could. And I think they did as good of a job as they could overall. It was such a weird it's such a weird, you know, event. And, you know, we saw the VMAs that had their award show a couple weeks ago and they did a great job. But it's different because of the VMAs, there's tons of performances. Basically, it's just a bunch of performances back to back. And then they throw a bunch of, you know, a couple awards in there here and there. But the Emmys is different. There's no performances per se. So they have to make do with what they can. I'm glad that they did because award shows are my favorite season. You know, when people are like, what's your favorite season? Spring, summer, fall. I'm like, awards. That's my favorite season. So I am craving an award season. I really hope they can do something for the upcoming, you know, I can't imagine not having the SAGs or the Golden Globes or heaven forbid the Oscars. I mean, it was bad enough we had to cancel the Met Gala, guys. I just, I can't imagine if we had to, you know, cancel this stuff. So I'm glad that they tried to do something because it gives us some, you know, sort of normalcy. The world is so crazy. This is such a, you know, a frivolous type of thing, getting together and these rich, uh, you know, famous people putting on these rich, famous, expensive clothes and and just getting awards for how great they are and stuff. It's so frivolous considering what's going on in the world. But a lot of people used their time and, you know, if they won an award or their time to speak to talk about things that mattered, you know, voting, Breonna Taylor, all sorts of different things about just be we are we're better than what we're going through right now this is a tough time we stand together but there's a lot of things going on in the world so that was great they added you know some talking about some real things in their speeches which i i think is the best you can do at this point some of the bits i thought were a little the post office bit was a little weird to me the russian postal man that was a little weird um the jennifer aniston bit when jen was on stage and they like set the you know, the card that had the winner on it, they set it on, they sanitized it and then they set it on fire. And then Jen came with a fire extinguisher and blew it out. And it took them a couple times for them to get the fire out. <laughs> that was kind of funny. Um, I mean, a little, maybe a little overdone. Some of the hat, like the hazmat suits and some of the COVID jokes were a little overdone, but like they're doing the best they can. And I, like I said, I can think considering what's going on in the world, considering the fact that they can't just, they can't just ignore COVID. Like they making jokes about it, it's like the least you can do because that's the reason why we're doing this the way we are. So I was totally, you know, fine with it. I thought for the most part, they did the best that they could. I heard that ratings were at an all time low. I'm not that surprised because it's just so weird. I saw that it was just, I don't know. I, I watched the e-red carpet beforehand. It was so bad, you guys. That was the only part that really disappointed me. The red carpet, I love. I love the interviews on the red carpet. I love all that stuff almost more than I love the award show, seeing the fashion. And a lot of people did dress up and and wear beautiful gowns and, and whatnot. But the red carpet was so bad. The the virtual interviews, first of all, not the the normal like hosts weren't there. Ryan Seacrest and Juliana Rancic weren't there. Juliana tested positive for COVID-19, so she couldn't be there. I would think Ryan is just trying to not, you know, fly because his main gig is live with Kelly and Ryan. So they had Brad Gorowski and um, Nina Parker doing it. I love Nina Parker and I love Brad too, but you could tell they were, especially Brad. Nina, I think did a great job, but Brad, you could tell, I think was in a little over, over his head. Brad's role on E is mostly like commentary. He's a stylist. He does amazing commentary. I love, you know, when he does stuff like that, but I thought hosting wise, he was a, a little bit over his head and it wasn't great. There were a couple of 
you know, slip ups where they repeated the same line. You could tell they had read the prompter twice. There was some lag, of course, um, in interviewing people because Zoom, there's always a lag a little bit. So they would say, ask a question and then there would be like this long pause and then the person would hear it and they would answer. But then they would kind of talk over one another. So it was just kind of like awkward. It wasn't entertaining to me at all. The whole thing was just a mess. I hated that. So the red carpet was a complete fail. But the actual show I thought was was decent. I mean, it was as good as it could have been. Let's get on to story number two. This one is equally huge news. Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg dies at age 87. In a statement from the Supreme Court, it is confirmed that the 87-year-old died on Friday, September 18th from complications caused by cancer. They added that she was surrounded by her family at the time of her death. According to NPR, prior to her death, Ginsburg told her granddaughter, Clara Sirpa, the following statement. My most fervent wish is that I will not be replaced until a new president is installed. Ginsburg was first appointed to the position of Supreme Court Justice in March 1993 and faithfully served the country even as she battled cancer. In August 2019, she beat cancer for the fourth time, all while participating in court rulings. That fierce determination and devotion to the law inspired the film On the Basis of Sex, in which Felicity Jones starred as the justice. The film, as well as the documentary RBG, our depiction of Ruth's climb to the top of the U.S. justice system, a feat that only one other woman achieved before her. So this was huge news. I did not know that her health was necessarily failing. I knew she had cancer. But as I read in the statement, she's had cancer, you know, 20 times. I'm I'm exaggerating. She had cancer four times, though, and she she beat it. I mean, she this was like intense cancer, too. I think she had like pancreatic cancer. I mean, don't quote me on that. But she I mean, four times and she beat it every time. And as I read here, she didn't miss work for the most part. I mean, RBG was known as like the Iron Woman. She just like couldn't be beat. And it, it was one of those things where I never thought, I mean, I knew that she was getting older. I knew that her cancer had come back, but it was like she had beat it so many times that I never thought that she would not beat it again type of thing. And so this is definitely sad as a woman. And, you know, I don't agree with everything RBG has has stood for. But I mean, she's been in the office for a long time. I mean, it's possible to change your views and to change the way you're thinking of things. But I mean, so I don't agree with everything she stood for. But as a whole, she, uh, you know, built her career upon being a champion for women. And that I do stand for. And I respect. And, you know, she's above all else. That was always been her biggest motivator and the biggest thing she stood for. So and that's incredible. She has done a lot of work and really advocated for women's rights, women's reproductive rights, women's rights in every capacity. And that is admirable and amazing. And it's like I said, I just it's weird to think that she actually died. I never thought this would happen. And it's proof that 2020 I mean, if 2020 can take Ruth Bader Ginsburg, like we're all we're doomed. I like I seriously feel it's just I mean, she survived cancer, pancreatic cancer, like stage four pancreatic cancer for how many times and 2020 just got her. It's just it's just, it's, it's mind blowing in terms of her replacement. Of course, this is all hot news. This is more political stuff. But there's a lot of people talking about how, uh, you know, President Trump should have to wait until he if he wins reelection or if Joe Biden wins, you know, whoever is the newly elected president should have to wait. And I don't necessarily disagree with that. But there also is the matter of the fact that like they need to keep going forward with proceedings and court rulings and Uh, You know, right now with the Supreme Court, of course, they need to have an odd number so that there is not a tie. You know, ties don't do anything for us. So there needs to be an odd number. And with her gone, 
without having someone in her place, there, you know, any court rulings that go ahead, um, there could be a tie, which is just that's nothing. Like, it's, it just doesn't do anything for us. So, you know, I I think of that and I worry about that. Um, I I don't know. Do I want President Trump to necessarily pick? I don't know. Not not really. I mean. I don't know. I don't trust him as far as I could throw him, honestly. But I don't I also don't know that we should wait. And if he if he does win reelection, then we waited X amount of months and, you know, put X, Y, Z, you know, on the back burner. We weren't doing rulings or rulings weren't, you know, being taken care of. And we waited or if Joe Biden wins. I, I don't know. I have mixed feelings. So it'll be interesting to see what they end up doing. But the biggest story here is I just can't I can't believe she died. I just can't believe it. And a true champion for women. Story number three. Ellen DeGeneres finally addresses the toxic allegations of her show and the show controversy as a whole. Ellen kicked off season 18 of the Ellen DeGeneres show on Monday, September 21st and addressed her viewers for the first time since allegations of the show's, quote, toxic work environment made headlines. The 62-year-old host began her monologue by welcoming both her supporters and her critics to the program. Quote, if you're watching because you love me, thank you, she said. If you're watching because you don't love me, welcome. DeGeneres then asked her virtual audience about their summer, joking that hers was great and super terrific amid the claims first published in a BuzzFeed news report back in July. Taking a more serious tone, the star then noted there were topics she wanted to discuss. As many of you have heard, this summer there were allegations of a toxic work environment at our show, and then there was an investigation, she said. I learned that things happened here that never should have happened. I take that very seriously, and I want to say I'm sorry to the people who were affected. She goes on, and of course she talks about this at length for a while. I'm not going to read the entire statement or article because it's pretty long, but I'll, I can sum it up for you. She, I'm glad, first of all, that she addressed this right away in the monologue. She had to address this. There's no way you could go into the show and not address this. This has been front page news, you know, since it happened in July. There's been so much speculation about if she's getting canceled, if she's getting replaced by James Corden. I mean, there's been so much speculation and the way this story has taken had legs and taken off is incredible. So I'm glad she addressed it right away. She took uh, ownership of, you know, the fact that there's a bad environment going on at work, which I think is great. You have to whether or not it's her. Her name is attached to the show. And so you have to take responsibility for what's going on for something that's that your name is attached to, if that makes sense. So, I mean, anyone who works under me, if I have a business in my business or let's say I'm an I'm an actor or an actress or whatever it is, or just a, you know, a big time TV host. And I have an assistant because a lot of, you know, people like that, actors, actresses, TV people have assistants and my assistant is a bitch, is is mean to people, is disrespectful. Like, I need to take responsibility of that because that person is an employee of me. So that person is a direct, you know, reflection of me and my views and maybe how I treat that person. It's just so it's one of those things where that is totally it's totally necessary for her to take responsibility for this a certain amount, even if it wasn't directly her that was being mean. You know, there was a lot of talk that it was the producers. The producers were mean and and it was a bad place and blah, blah. But she is the boss of the producer. She's the boss of this all. So she has to take accountability and for some of that, maybe not all of that, but some of that. She also goes on to talk about how the fact that she was got, you know, has become known as the be kind to people lady and that she you know, still believes that she is that person, but that she's human and that she has bad days just like you and I. And that sometimes it's hard to always be, you know, the Ellen that you see on TV, be on, quote unquote, on. 
And I feel for that in that sense. And I totally relate to that as well. When you're on TV and it's your job to be on TV or radio or perform per se, you you are that person. Like I am the same person I am when I'm on TV, but there are definitely like different versions of me or different. There's times when I'm not, you know, happy go lucky out. I don't know. It's just and she's saying the same thing. She's like, I am that person, but I'm also a person with with emotions who gets happy and sad and mad and and all these other things. And like, I have a right to have those emotions and I have a right to not be happy all the time, basically. And I agree with what she's saying. I don't always feel like being on myself. It's it can be hard and it can be daunting. It can be frustrating. It can be all those things. So I think the best thing we can get from this, in my opinion, and the best thing Ellen can do is admit her humanity. I said last week with the Chris Evans, you know, not safe for work photos being leaked. The best thing you can do in situations like this is not deny to not push things aside. But the best thing you can do is to admit your humanity, admit that you're human, that you make mistakes, that you're not perfect and then move forward. So I think the best thing Ellen can do, which for the most part she did, is admit her humanity, admit that she is the be kind to people lady, but she's also the I have ups and downs. I get sad. I get mad. I get grumpy. I get all these other things like admit that and then move forward. Do better. She obviously has to do better, but like just be a human and admit that you're a human. People, for the most part, appreciate that vulnerability and understand it. Now, she needs to make changes moving forward. Otherwise, all of this is just null and void. But I think she's doing the best thing she can as long as they're making steps to make changes going forward. Story number four. This might not be big news to other people, but I wanted to talk about this because this show was such a cornerstone of my, I don't know, junior high high school type. of. I mean, it was just it was big news to me. So Lauren Conrad and Whitney Port virtually reunite for the first time in a long time. While they couldn't come physically together because of the coronavirus pandemic, they did finally catch up virtually for Port's podcast with Wit. As Port told Conrad, I would say the question I get asked the most of all time is, are you still friends with Lauren? That's what people really want to know, she continued. That's how people really got to know us together in the Teen Vogue closet. And people always want to know behind the scenes and like if there was any drama and if we're still close. Her answer proved no matter their distance, Port will always have Conrad's back. My answer to them is always, you know, it's friends that you went to college with. Good friends that you had a really special experience with and you will always have love for, but you don't always keep in touch with. Conrad agreed. I think what you said is perfectly describing it. I have so much love in my heart for you and we shared this really weird, unique thing. And I think it is like college friends. You know, I'll always remember you like that and I'll never have that experience with anybody else. And that's special. Port added, it's just that these roots, they're very strong. And even when I'm talking with you now, I'm like, oh, it feels totally normal. Like I'm just sitting with you in that closet again. So it feels really nice. So I listened to this episode on Whitney's podcast. They're actually going to split it up into two separate episodes. But I listened to the first half just yesterday. And I, I agree with what they're saying. I'm not surprised to hear this, like their answers. I agree with what they're saying. There's a lot of times when you are become situational. I, I call it situational friends. Like so you have the same job with someone, you work with someone, whatever it is. And because you have that you're in that similar situation, you bond over it, you form a friendship. And it, it again, like they said, it's a specific time in your life that was kind of weird, whether you're working the same job or in the same class or whatever, and you form a friendship over it. But then once that part like of your life moves on, you also like 
move on and you don't stay as close. It doesn't mean you don't like those people or love those people or value the time you had with them, but you don't have that shared situation. So there's not as much for you to keep in touch about or bond with or or all these other things. I have so many spots like that in my life, especially because I've worked in sports where I've worked with XYZ team. You know, when you work in sports, you get super close to your coworkers because you your schedule is insane. <laughs> so you have no choice but to bond over that and to form a family. Every sports team I've been a part of, they, it, you're like a family. You become super close and then that that season ends and you move on to the next thing. And I still love those people so much, but I don't talk to them often. If I do, it's like, oh my gosh, it's great to see you. Or if I see something on Instagram or whatever it is, it's like, oh, congratulations if they got married, had a kid, whatever it is. But I don't necessarily necessarily text them and or go to drinks with them. Granted, a lot of them live very far away, but I understand what she's saying. And I echo her thoughts that this is their friendship started as a situational friendship. So it makes sense that they are not super duper duper close, but they still love and appreciate one another. You know, Lauren and Lo Bosworth have been friends since they were, you know, children, their childhood friends. So it makes sense that they stay in touch and are pretty close and, and keep up through all these things. But with Whitney, they were very much situational friends and that kind of stuff. You know, life happens. They're both married. They both have children. They both have businesses. So I wasn't surprised to hear this. They did sound like they, you know, were just picked up where they left off, which is great. This is incredible. It's so crazy to think what Lauren is doing now and to think that it all started with like Laguna Beach, like Stephen. Like I just I see her running her empire now and I just think of her like and Stephen and Kristen and the love triangle. And it's just like it just blows my mind that she that's the same person. Same with Kristen and what she's doing. She also like has an empire and it's just like in the back of my head, I'm just like Stephen. Like that's all I can think about. It's just it, it's crazy. All right, you guys, story number five is reserved for my sports minute. Let's get into it. Let's talk uh, first NBA finals. In the Eastern Conference finals, Miami leads Boston in that series three games to one. Game five in that series is tonight. So if Miami wins that game, it means that they take the series and they're on to the NBA finals. If Boston comes back and wins, then it's three to two. We go on to game six. It continues. But I, I mean, I think Boston, Boston's a good team. They could win this, but I do see Miami winning this series. They have played really well throughout the entire playoffs. Honestly, they've played much better in the playoffs than I expected them to. So I do think that they'll win this series. Meanwhile, in the Western Conference Finals, the Lakers beat the Nuggets last night. Anthony Davis was on straight fire. He put up 34 points on the entire night. And just I think the first quarter of the game, he had like basically all their all the Lakers points. He, you know, in the first like 15 minutes, he had 12 or 10 of the Lakers, 12 points or whatever it was, whatever their points were. He was just he played great. He had a good night. So with that win, the Lakers have a three to one lead over the Nuggets. Again, they will play on Saturday for game five. And if they win that game, they will take the series and it'll, they'll go on to the finals. If the Nuggets pull out a win, the you know series will continue on. We shall see. Again, the Nuggets are another great team. They, they have been playing great as well. Just I see the Lakers pulling this one out. I've always seen the I mean, when the playoffs started, I saw the Lakers, you know, being in the finals you know, regardless. So I think that they will win this. I don't know. I just think this is, I think LeBron's going to get his championship with the Lakers. I just really do. We'll see. Let's get on to our Packers update. 
The Packers torched their conference rival, the Detroit Lions, 42-21 last Sunday. Aaron Rodgers was again on fire, connecting four 18 of 30 passes and throwing for 240 yards and two touchdowns on the day. He looked great. For the most part, the Packers looked great. Running back Aaron Jones rushed for 168 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, it was a, it was a decent performance. The Lions went down on their first possession and scored right away, like literally just ran us over. And I was like, oh, shit. Um, I was picturing this not going well, but we our offense is, has been good. I, I said this in the first week. And I'll say it again. I think our defense has some holes we need to clean up. But I do think that the bones of our defense are 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 decent. So I think that we can do it. I just there are some, I think, holes in our secondary at times that we need to tighten up. So I am. I am optimistic. I think Aaron Rodgers looks great. I think our receivers need to keep getting open and catching the ball. We worked in some of our tight ends a little bit more in this game, which I was glad to see. I I really think what could make our offense dynamic is getting a tight end who is can catch the ball like a blocking tight end is great, but we need a tight end who can also go and catch the ball and be big, be physical and be, you know, a mismatch for a linebacker or even if they they put a D back on him or or whoever it is. But we need I I think that's going to be a big key to our offense, getting our run game situated, but then also having a tight end that can detract from Devontae Adams, who's going to be double teamed, you know, almost every game. So that's my opinion. Uh, The Packers. This coming Sunday, they travel to NOLA to take on Drew Brees and the one-in-one Saints. They, uh, The Saints look decent in the game that I saw they played on Monday night. They look decent. Drew Brees is always a force, so we will see. But we need to win this game, of course. This will be our first game out of conference play. We played the Vikings and the Lions, who are in our conference. This is out of conference play, but uh, yeah, we need to keep it rolling. So far, I'm optimistic, but you, know, you don't want to count your chickens before they're hatched. You really don't. Let's get to congrats and condolences for this week. Congrats first to me, because I got to witness the touching moment between Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston during the Fast Times at Ridgemont High table read. If you got to witness it, then congrats to you, too, because it was something to be held. It really was. And it was if you haven't. I mean, I'm sure you have because it went viral. It was all over. It was beautiful. It was touching. I mean, I just I'm not saying they're going to get back together. I'm not even saying I want to get them back together. They want I want them to get back together. But the hope and like the seeing them being so friendly and seeing them have such love for one another. Like I almost think that that's like just the hope of it being there is more exciting than if they were actually to get together. Like if they got back together, I'd be like, oh, I'd be super pumped for a day. And then I'd be like, oh, but like, who do I have to like secretly root for then? You know, like I would be a little stumped, but I think I would rather them stay apart, but like kind of always be a little friendly, kind of always have us wondering, you know, it's it really did something for me. And I don't like table reads. I think they're boring. I I I think this this was a fundraiser. So I think it did what it was supposed to. But uh, I mean, this I couldn't have cared less about if if this didn't happen, if Brad Pitt and Jen Aniston didn't have their little moment. I really could have cared less about this. So I, I mean, just congrats to everyone who got to witness that because it was amazing. Other congrats go to Gigi Hadid and Zayn Malik, who welcomed a baby girl on Wednesday, September 23rd. As of right now, there has been no name release, but they shared photos. Everyone sounds healthy and happy and super duper awesome. Congrats to them. Also, congrats go to Mandy Moore, who is expecting her first child, a boy with husband Taylor Goldsmith. It'll be interesting to see how they work this into the This Is Us filming. Obviously, that's the first thing I thought of. Honestly, I was like, well, this could work perfectly into some episodes, into some of the writing, into some of the flashbacks. So I can't I'm personally pumped for this. I can't wait to see how they how they incorporate this. 
Condolences this week go out to Christina Anstead, who announced on September 18th that she and husband Aunt Anstead were splitting after less than two years of marriage. This was strange to me. I mean, maybe it shouldn't be. I don't know. But they she famously moved on very quickly after her divorce from Tark El Musa. And she, you know, famously moved on quick and they got married pretty quickly. And then they had a baby. They have a young child. And so it's just I don't I don't know. This is weird. She, They were always one of those people who she was like so in love and so obsessed. And she would write things on her Instagram about how it was just always mushy and over the top. And then less than two years later after their, their divorce. So it's just one of those. It's just peculiar to me. I don't know if something else is going on. I don't know if she's just not. I mean, I don't know. I'm not sure, but I just think this is weird. And I think more stuff about this will come out. Honestly, I just I don't see this being like something that's kept tight lip. I feel like more stuff about this will come out. I'm not sure to be determined. More condolences this week go to Demi Lovato, who announced yesterday that she has split from fiance Mac Elrich two months after they got engaged. You guys, go back a couple of episodes and I talked about when they got engaged. I talked about the fact that I thought it was weird and I wished her well because I am I think Demi Lovato deserves well, but I thought it was weird and I stand by that. They started dating in March and then again got engaged two months ago. And before they started dating in March, she went through like a whole slew of guys really quickly. Like she went on a date with Mike from The Bachelor. They were supposedly dating. Then she was supposedly dating this other singer, like this skinny white guy covered in tattoos who I don't, his name escapes me. I don't, I didn't know who he was until I heard he was dating Temi Lovato. So she, you know, came out that she was dating him and that she was posting pictures on Instagram of them like kissing and doing these lovey-dovey things. And then all of a sudden they, a month later, they had broken up and then she was dating this other guy. And it, it just seems weird. She just seems to, she was really going through him quickly. And then she was dating this Max guy and she's engaged. And I just, I thought it was weird. I don't I don't I hope she's well I mean I really do like Demi Lovato and I do wish her well but this is strange to me and I don't want her rushing into relationships I mean I know she had an overdose approximately two years ago and I know she has battled some demons and whatnot but if she's looking for a relationship to complete her or to make her feel valid or worthy that's a problem. And I think it's just going to lead to other, you know, whether it's substance abuse problems or whatever it is. But I I hope she's well. I'm sorry to hear this, but I'm not also like I'm also not surprised. Honestly, just just not. There you have it, Candies. Those are my top five pop culture stories of the week. If you love today's show, then come on back next Friday. I'll be here again, ready to give you all the tea. You know, I love to do it. And I know, you know, you guys are kindred spirits like me for the pop culture. So just come on back. And if you're in the market for some real life topics, come on back on Tuesday where I talk openly and honestly about the messiness of being a human being. And I even invite some of my super awesome talented friends onto the show to share their stories. I had an amazing interview episode this past Tuesday with a TV host friend of mine named Candace. Go back and listen to it if you haven't because she was fire and it was such a fun episode to do. Before you leave, make sure you subscribe to the show. Take a screenshot of this episode and share it to your stories. Make sure you tag me. I am at Carrie.Gillespie and we are at Candidly Speaking Podcast. Tell a friend, tell a stranger, tell your dog, tell your Uber driver, tell everyone about the show. I would really appreciate it. Last but certainly not least, leave us a five-star rating in Apple Podcasts and write a review about how I'm your internet bestie and you love hanging out with me every week because I love hanging out with you every week. Thank you so much for being here, Candies. I love you all so much for being a part of this community. I hope you have an amazing week. I hope you get to do something fun. I hope you get to sleep in. I hope you get to spend time with someone you love. Whatever you do, enjoy it. Be kind to one another and adopt, don't shop. Have a great week, guys.